0: Welcome to Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone, and the Libertarian Institute. This is Were the Wars Wise? Were They Worth It? by former Richard Nixon speechwriter Patrick J. Buchanan in Talkies Magazine. Through the long Memorial Day weekend, anyone who read the newspapers or watched television could not miss or be unmoved by it story after story after story of the fallen, of those who had given the last full measure of devotion to their country. Heartrending is an apt description of those stories, and searing are the videos of those who survived and returned home without arms or legs. But the stories could not help but bring questions to mind. While the sacrifice and service were always honorable and often heroic, never to be forgotten, were the wars these soldiers were sent to fight and die in wise? Were they necessary? What became of the causes for which these Americans were sent to fight in the new century with thousands to die and tens of thousands to come home with permanent wounds? And what became of the causes for which they were sent to fight? The longest war of this new century, the longest war in our history, the defining endless war or forever war, was Afghanistan. In 2001, we sent an army halfway around the world to exact retribution— On Al-Qaeda for 9-11, an attack that rivaled Pearl Harbor in numbers of dead and wounded Americans. Because Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden had been given sanctuary by the Taliban in Kabul, who refused to give him up, we invaded, overthrew the Islamist regime, and cleansed Tora Bora of Al-Qaeda. So... Um, this is actually uh, inaccurate. Uh, Bush actually rejected the Taliban offer to hand bin Laden over. You can look at uh, The Guardian on October 14, 2001. Uh, Taliban demanded evidence of bin Laden's guilt. Second week of airstrikes starts. Taliban urges U.S. to halt bombing President George Bush rejected as non-negotiable an offer by the Taliban to discuss turning over bin Laden if the United States ended the bombing in Afghanistan, so they did not refuse. In fact, Bush actually mentions on page 192 of Decision Points, I laid out an ultimatum to the Taliban. They will hand over the terrorists or they will share their fate. We had little hope that Afghanistan leaders would heed it, but exposing their defiance to the world would firm up our justification for... A military strike. So asking for bin Laden was just theater because they offered to hand bin Laden over on multiple occasions and uh, it was never accepted. Mission accomplished. But then the mission changed. In control of a land that had seen off British and Soviet imperialists, we hubristically set about establishing a democracy and sent hundreds of thousands of Americans to hold off the rebel resistance for two decades while we went about nation-building. We did not succeed. All U.S. troops are to be gone by the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and the Taliban we ousted has never been closer to recapturing power in Kabul. Today's issue, how do we save Afghanistan, who allied with U.S., with us, in this war, so that they do not face the terrible vengeance of a victorious Taliban? The second American war of the century was the invasion and occupation of Iraq to strip its dictator, Saddam Hussein, of weapons of mass destruction with which he intended to attack the United States. Begun in 2003, the war has lasted 18 years. No WMD were ever found. Most U.S. troops have come and gone. And today, the Baghdad regime rules at the sufferance of Shiite militia who look to Tehran for guidance and support? Not only uh, do they not have uh, weapons of mass destruction uh, to uh, provide, but uh, there was also the lie that Bush gave in his uh, presidential address, where he said that uh, there was uh, shipment of yellowcake uranium from Niger to Iraq, which was exposed by Joe Wilson, uh, the uh, alleged source for this. Uh, in uh, the New York Times, and then uh, to get back at them, the uh, Bush administration had Richard Armitage uh, leak to the Wall Street Journal that Valerie Plame was in the CIA. This is how these sort of things play out. They they explicitly lie and then never face any consequences. Afghanistan and Iraq caused us 7,000 dead and 40,000 wounded. Were they necessary wars? Were they wise? Were they worth it? In the second decade of this century, We intervened in Syria to back the good rebels seeking to overthrow Bashar Assad and became an indispensable ally in the Saudi Arabia's murderous air war to stop Houthi rebels from consolidating power in Yemen. As far as backing the good rebels goes, there is an email by Jake Sullivan in the State Department, emails from Hillary Clinton, not to be confused with the WikiLeaks emails, where he says to remind Hillary that A.Q. is on our side in Syria. So the, quote, good rebels uh, he's referring to is actually Jabhat al-Nusra, known as Al-Qaeda in Syria. In both Syria and Yemen, hundreds of thousands of soldiers and civilians have been wounded, killed, uprooted, or driven into exile. Both countries are listed among the humanitarian catastrophes of the 21st century. Having helped to inflict so much damage on those countries, did we succeed in our missions? Today, after six years of fighting, the Houthis still control the Yemeni capital of Sana'a, and Assad just won a fourth term as president with a 95% of the vote. In 2011, President Barack Obama ordered U.S. airstrikes on Colonel Muammar Gaddafi's forces in Libya, beginning a NATO intervention that would lead to his overthrow and lynching. In 2020, however, the future of Libya was not being decided by the European Union or U.S., but fought over by proxy forces supported and supplied by Turkey, the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, and Russia. And Barack Obama had conceded that the worst mistake of his presidency was not to plan for the aftermath of his 2011 decision to topple the Libyan dictator again. The men and women sent to the Middle East to fight these wars did their duty and deserve the gratitude of their countrymen that they received this Memorial Day weekend. But where is the accounting for those who sent them to fight, bleed, and die in that turned out to be unwinnable wars, or at least wars that were not given the requisite weapons or forces to win? What makes these questions of importance, and not only to historians, is that the cry of the hawk may be heard again in the land. We hear calls to confront Iran before the mullahs build an atom bomb and challenge Putin and arm Ukraine to retake Crimea and push Russia out of the Donbass. We hear talk of the American Navy contesting Beijing's claims in the East and South China Seas, including Taiwan. These stories of Memorial Day should make us think long and hard before we launch any more unnecessary, unwise, or unwinnable wars. As far as holding the politicians accountable, um, I uh, think the soldiers are more morally culpable because they're the ones actually making the decisions. You can ask any police officer and and they'll agree with you. Um, If you just say, yes, officer, I committed... This crime, and I did this bad thing, but I actually was hired to do it, and my boss told me to do it. The cop will just laugh as he's arresting you. Here is an old story called The Christmas Truce of 1914. This is from History.com. Did you know on December 7th, 1914, Pope Benedict the 15th suggested a temporary hiatus of... The war for a celebration of Christmas. The warring countries refused to create any official ceasefire, but on Christmas, the soldiers in the trenches declared their own unofficial truce. This is referred to as the Christmas Truce of 1914. What's important to know about this is that it's not that. All the French, and then all the Germans, and all the Russians, and all the Austrians, they always hated each other, and governments are there trying to hold us back. Governments are holding back the populations trying to go to war, and... It's governments that are uh, the the root of all peace, and governments keep us safe. It's just the opposite. It's governments, generals, and politicians pushing people into war. And uh, the problem is they have the belief in authority that those people have the right to rule, and second, if they commit atrocities under the guise of doing it with the state or the country, well, then they don't have to be morally accountable. So, as we can see, uh, we'll... We can uh, really all get along just as religions got along with the separation of church and state because people had to deal with each other on a voluntary basis, and you occupying the state meant um, or didn't mean I'd have to convert to your religion. We just need separation of economy and state, and the vast majority of wars uh, will end if we don't recognize the legitimacy of uh, uh, political authority. Here is another important lesson. The United Kingdom declaration of war on Germany, 1939. The United Kingdom declared war on Germany on the 3rd September 1939, two days after Germany invaded Poland. France also declared war on Germany later that same day. The state of war was announced to the British public through radio broadcast by the Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain. Here's what Chamberlain said. This morning, the British ambassador in Berlin handed the German government a final note stating that unless we heard from them by 11 o'clock that they were prepared at once to withdraw their troops from Poland, a state of war would exist between us. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently, this country is at war with Germany. So the Second World War started because Poland's independence was violated. So... After the war, let's uh, let's see what happened. There were about uh, 60 million deaths in uh, the Second World War. Um, the Soviet invasion of Poland was a military operation by the Soviet Union without a formal declaration of war. On the 17th of September, 1939, the Soviet Union invaded Poland from the east 16 days after Germany invaded Poland from the west. So uh, they were also uh, I- invading Poland. And what happened? Well... You know the story. Poland was given to uh, Stalin by the end of the war. So, the um, the bloodiest war in uh, probably world history, as far as uh, anything that comes to mind, started uh, because they wanted to protect Polish people uh, from living under tyranny. And after 60 million deaths, they gave Poland to Stalin. Here is... An old quote by uh, randolph Bourne. he said war is the health of the state. So, in other words, in a time of war where there's an enemy, you can really get people to give up thinking reasonably, thinking rationally. They're much more likely to give the state powers they otherwise wouldn't. Plus, they're also very scared. Saddam's going to nuke us. Iran's going to nuke us. North Korea's coming, etc. What's also important to mention is that the state is the health of war. When people believe that some people have the right to rule others, and murder isn't murder when a group called Congress does it or the military does it, that lowers the cost of those people participating in those immoral actions, which increases the likelihood they're going to engage in them. So the state is the health of war. Uh, imagine if politicians had to raise their own money voluntarily and have their own marketing campaigns, and maybe they, uh, that they had to even go over there themselves well when you have a trillions of dollars in taxes every year going to a state well people don't have the ability to opt out of funding it so taxation and the belief in authority the belief that murder isn't murder when the the state does it that causes so much war and so much tension that is completely unnecessary excellent work by uh, Pat Buchanan definitely someone know uh, with a lot of courage Thank you for watching Keith Knight Don't Tread on Anyone and The Libertarian Institute.